Uh, this is the last week of our series called Kingdom Come. I'm going to uh, try to catch you up. I can't, obviously, we can't catch up over, over like the last four weeks. But five weeks ago, we started this series and we asked a very simple question, right? The, the Lord's Prayer. So the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, you should pray like this. And then what he said after that, we know as the Lord's Prayer, right? It might have been better called the disciples' prayer because he was teaching them how they should pray. But here's, so in that prayer, here's what he said. He said, your kingdom come. How many of you know this is from like being a kid? Like your kingdom come, your will be done in Charlotte as it is in heaven. In Nebraska as it is in heaven. And no, here, like wherever we in here for us is Albemarle, right? Your kingdom come here as it is in heaven. And so we asked a very simple question five weeks ago. What would it look like if the kingdom came? If the kingdom of God came, what would that actually look like? And we had a couple weeks talking about that, like, you know, parameter things. Like we, you know, we talked about if it's not in heaven, it doesn't belong on earth because Heaven is supposed to be here, right? Um, if, it's not, if it's not good, it's not over because the, the end game of the kingdom is good. We talked about some parameters, but then two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, I made a statement. And I told you that it was a statement that I believe was revolutionary and that when I said it, you were going to be like, oh, I've already heard that. That's not really revolutionary. But, but I said, if, if we really believe it, it would change a lot of things. And here was the statement. We said this three Sundays ago. The kingdom is in us. Remember we showed Lion King? It's a good day when you can show Lion King, right? We showed Lion King, and he was like, look harder. Remember that clip? And he said, he lives in you, right? I love that scene. He does it so much better, but I still tried. So we said the kingdom is in us. It's not something we talk about just externally, it's in us. And then I made the statement. The reason why that is a revolutionary statement, and we all nod our heads because we're good church folk. We nod our heads like, that's right, the kingdom's, that's right, he's right. The kingdom is in us. What? But I said this. If the kingdom is in us, and it is, it should change four things. It should change how we walk. It should change who we walk with. It should change where we walk. And it should change what we do when we get there. And then I made this statement that made you want to throw things at me. But you know what's true? Our lives don't reflect that. So it doesn't mean the kingdom's not in us. It just means that we've not kind of grasped the, the revolutionary impact of that statement. And so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this first two, right? How do we walk? And who do we walk with? And today I want to take today and just tackle the last two. And we'll close the series with this. So if the kingdom is in us, and it is, then it should change where we walk, and it should change what we do when we get there. So that's because Jesus is, and this is a thing, miracle through the Holy Spirit. It's hard to even explain it, but Jesus lives in me. The Bible said the Christ is in me, the hope of glory. So like, do you remember as a little kid, the first time you heard somebody say, would you like to pray to ask Jesus in your heart? And you're like, How's he going to get in there? The Holy Spirit, right? That's what we know now as adults. That's how the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit, that's how Jesus is in us. And so because Jesus is in me, I carry Jesus where I go, right? 
And so when, when we say that it should change where we walk and it should change what we do when we get there, I believe because we have the kingdom in us, three things, okay? Here's three things that we should do because we have the kingdom in us. Here's the first one. We should go where Jesus went. Now, don't answer this out loud. I said that in the first service, and they still answered it out loud. But, you know, don't answer. You don't have to. Where did Jesus go? Okay, everywhere. I'm going to say two words. Jesus went to unexpected places. He was always showing up in unexpected places. Here's a few. Just jot these down. I'm going to give you the chapters. You can do quiet times to find the verses, okay, or just Google but let's start with Luke chapter 2. At the very, very, very beginning, where did Jesus go? In a manger, right? Now, we hear the word manger and we're like, yeah, that's a Christmas story. And I mean, I don't know how you are, but this crazy heat and humidity, I'm like, bring on Christmas, please, right? Like, get me out of this crazy hot mess. We hear that manger word and we forget what it really means. So I am qualified to stand on this platform in front of you and explain to you what the word manger really meant. And the reason I'm qualified is not because I had a farm growing up, but because we had a barn. We had a barn, and, and one of our tasks, our chores, we had to clean out the stalls. We didn't have horses. We had dogs and some goats. Like, we just, but the, the stall, like, had this rickety wood door that you, like, had to, like do this to get it to finally open, and you had to step over something into something, and it was dark, so you weren't sure what you were stepping into, but it smelled like maybe it wasn't good. We read the story and go, oh, yeah, Jesus was born in a manger. How sweet. No, how stinky, right? He was born in an animal stall. Like it, it smelled like animals. It sounded like animals. Jesus was the king, and he was not born like in the best hospital of the day. He was born in a manger. Unexpected places. John chapter 4. We find Jesus having a conversation at a well with a woman who wasn't a good woman, right? Like she was a Samaritan. And so back in the day, Jews thought Samaritans were like dogs. And she, he said like, do you have a husband? And she said, no, trying to get out of it, and he was like, you know what, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. (laughs) That's not a good day, y'all. Like, when Jesus calls you out like that. So he's talking to this lady who's had five husbands. The The man she's with at that time wasn't somebody that she was married to. So she's got five husbands, five ex husbands. She's got one live-in boyfriend, and y'all know she had at least one lawyer on speed dial, right? I mean, she had to have had at least one lawyer on speed dial. And so Jesus is hanging out with her. Unexpected places. Uh, A couple more. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 tells a story about Jesus having a meal in a house and a sinful woman came into the house. Some people would say she was a prostitute. Came into the house and it says that she started to cry tears onto his feet. That's weird, y'all. You're going to take my word for it because apparently you're not buying it. So she's crying tears on his feet. And then it says it got weirder. She took her hair and started to dry the tears off of his feet. Y'all know like hair is not something you, that's not good to dry stuff with. Hair doesn't dry anything. Hair just pushes stuff around, right? So he's sitting there. She's crying on his feet. She's 
potentially like the town prostitute, all the people at the table know who she is, and he didn't move. And then she starts trying to wipe it with her hair, and he still didn't move. Unexpected places. That's the Jesus that we serve. Matthew chapter 8 says that he healed a leper, which is not really um, out of character for Jesus, but what says, it says before that is that he touched the leper, and then he healed the leper. He touched him. Like you didn't touch lepers in the day, right? And so for him to touch the leper first, he says, I'm with you. And then he healed him. Uh, John chapter 8, it's a really interesting story about a woman, the Bible says, who was caught in the very act of adultery. Like, I, I love how the Bible says the words it means, right? Like, it didn't just go, yeah, this woman who was, like, doing some stuff, they caught her. And they didn't say that they caught her in the act of adultery. The Bible says she was caught in the very act of, like, like well, is this, what does that mean in the Greek? It means she's naked, right? That's what it means in the Greek, the very act of adultery. And these men went in and grabbed her. Like, how did they even know where she was? I mean, it just so many layers to the story. These men grabbed her out, dragged her to Jesus, threw her at Jesus' feet, probably not even dressed yet. And in that chapter, we find Jesus. Where did Jesus go? He went to unexpected places. He stood between a woman who was being shamed and the religious people who were shaming her. That's where Jesus went. He didn't let her off the hook, did he? I mean, he told her to stop sinning, but he stood between them first and made them drop their weapon of choice. How about Matthew 27? I don't know how you feel about Jesus, but I'm going to say this is the most unexpected place of all. Matthew 27 and all the other Gospels say that Jesus was found on a cross. Sinless Savior on a cross for my sins. That's unexpected. Jesus went to unexpected places. He didn't go to easy people. He went to hard people in unexpected places. And so we do the same thing. And here's why. Because we carry him within us. And here's what that means. Whose hands are these? Right. They're my hands. But because Jesus lives within me, they've become his hands. And these are his feet. So if Jesus went to unexpected places, guess where he still wants to go? Unexpected places, except that he's going to use my body to do it. That's the way this works. We're his hands and we're his feet. And the religious people of the day for him did not understand that. I would just say this, okay? Religious people today still don't get it. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is, is hanging out in one of those unexpected places, and here's what it says in verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. What a way to describe people, right? But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. They didn't ask Jesus, right? They don't have, um, the, they don't have the courage for that. They just went to his disciples, and they were like, listen to what it says. Why does your teacher eat? With such scum. When we go to the places that Jesus went, people are going to be asking that about us. Why are you hanging out with those people? Well, because his feet led me here. Because his hands reached out to them. I'm kind of just along for the ride. Because he's in me. 
Don't you love the way that those men insulted the disciples? They're like, uh, hey, we got a question for you guys. What's somebody like him doing with somebody like y'all? That is what they asked, isn't it? They just said it nicer. Why does he hang out with such scum? I'm sorry, were you talking about me too? Like, are you asking me about those scum or are you lumping us all together? They're lumping them all together. People will not understand why we go where we go until we tell them, Jesus is in me. Jesus went to dark places. Um, when, one of his ministry heroes is Christine Kane. Um, Christine Kane started A21, and A21 is an organization committed to abolishing human trafficking in the 21st century. And so um, Christine Kane is like this uh, super, like, lazy person who never does anything for Jesus. Like, she's, she's a, a fireball of energy. Like, she's all over. The, like, she'll be in one country and fought to another. She just, it's amazing the things that she does. And she's, she's telling a story about how she and her daughter were, were, went to Walmart. I believe it was Walmart. And they, they bought a flashlight for her four-year-old daughter. And so they're walking out, to the par- out in the parking lot to the car. And the four-year-old daughter's like turning the, the flashlight on and off. And she finally looked up at Christine and she's like, she's like, Mommy, this, this flashlight's broken. And she's like, no, what do you mean it's broken? Well, I keep turning on. I can't see the light. And so Christine Kane told her four-year-old daughter, well, that's not, like, that's not the way flashlights work. You, you won't see the light until you get into the dark. And so her four-year-old daughter, four years old, turned to her mom and said, let's go find some really dark places. That's what Jesus was doing. He's the light of the world, and he lives in us. And he wants to get to the darkest places possible so that light will shine. We go to unexpected places today because Jesus hasn't stopped looking for the lost. He hasn't stopped looking for the sick or the hurting. And, and why is he doing that? It's, it, well, we started reading Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. So, you know, they said, why does your teacher eat with such scum? They're asking that question too. Why is he in this unexpected place, right? Why is it, like, we don't even like Jesus, but we, rep, we kind of recognize he's like a man of power and he's here. Why? And here's the answer, verse 12. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added this, and I love verse 13. Now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. Now, before I tell you what he said, do y'all know people that know everything? Are you, are you sitting next to them now? <laughs> have you ever, have you ever, and I don't mean this like in a private way, but have you ever le- legitimately felt like you knew everything about a subject? Like you're the family expert on whatever fill-in-the-blank subject. Have you ever had somebody question you in an area that you pretty sure you know more about than them, right? That's what's happening here. Now, again, we're not going like, I don't have time to go into all this about Pharisees, but Pharisees, like they knew the Scripture. Like they knew it. They could memorize it, quote it. They could tell you what. Like you ever say like, the Bible says, and you, tell, you like say like five words of the verse, you don't know the reference, like you totally butcher it, but it's actually in the Bible. You know it is. They're not those people. They could be like, I know word for word and where it is, right? They're like, they would win Bible Jeopardy, right? They know it. And Jesus said to them, just put yourself in their, in their shoes. Jesus says to them, hey, why don't you do this? Go learn the meaning of the scripture. Like you know the Bible, but why don't you go figure out what it means? And what did he say? I want you to show mercy. 
So we go where Jesus went. And, and we show up in unexpected places. But, but here's the next thing we have to do. It's, it's one thing to show up in unexpected places, but then do expected things. The church is good about that. Okay, now well, let me show you what I mean. Okay, if you occasionally have had a beer, um, just stick with me, right? So this would be like, and this I haven't, full disclosure. I mean, I, I, I got drunk on NyQuil once, but that's it. Um, so it would be like us going to a bar, like a Christian, I mean, like a, like a sold-out, loves-Jesus person in a bar, right? Because I know, like, some people that love Jesus are in bars. I get that. But, like, somebody, you would never expect this person to be in a bar. When I was a youth pastor, I did a, I did a sermon one night in youth, and I held a brown bag the whole time and occasionally, like, drank from it, right? Well, from the bottle in the brown bag. But you know what I'm saying, and, and halfway through, like, my youth group was like, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? I'm drinking. That's not you. Like, they, they, that's what I'm talking about. So somebody like that, put them in a bar. That's an unexpected place. Are you with me? So it's good. Like, hey, I went where Jesus went. I'm in a bar, unexpected places. I checked. But here's the thing, to go into an unexpected place and then do expected things. So we go into an unexpected place the bar, and then we start telling everybody at the bar that they're sinners, and you're going to go to hell for this. What's wrong with you, drunkard? And they're like, what does that even mean, right? Like, that would be going to an unexpected place and doing expected things. And I'm going to tell you something. The church is good at that. The church is really good about telling people what they already know. God, we're so good at that. But Jesus... He went to unexpected places, and then he gave something that was unexpected. And here's what he gave. He gave unexpected mercy. That woman that was at the well who had five ex-husbands and was living with a guy and had the lawyer on speed dial. Remember that girl? He showed her mercy. He changed her life the way he interacted with her. Do you know what? She went back to her city and became the greatest evangelist that city had ever known just because she said, you got to come meet this guy. What guy? This guy that told me, he told me everything I've ever done, but he told me something I never knew. You got to come meet this guy. He showed mercy to a thief on the cross. As he was giving himself as a sacrifice, he turned to a thief on the cross and he showed mercy to him. Someone who's being punished for a crime he actually did receive mercy from a man who was being punished from a crime he didn't do. Jesus, he, he, he gave unexpected mercy. Everywhere Jesus went, he offered it. And because we carry the kingdom, we give what Jesus gave to the people that we meet in unexpected places. So we go to unexpected places and we meet people and then we give them unexpected mercy. And that's good. That's really good. Here's how we give them unexpected mercy. And before I can tell you this, I have to tell you what happened to me yesterday. So I'm at home. I live um, near North Stanley High School, if, if you're familiar with the area. So um, you turn out of my neighborhood and you can turn onto Austin Road. Austin Road is a road that runs through Stanley County and feels like runs forever. But um, 
on the section that I live on, like you turn right, go down Austin Road, you go down this hill around this curve, and you come to a stop sign, and that's the stop sign for Old, Old Salisbury Road. So if you turn right, you're driving to Salisbury, and if you turn left, you're driving to Albemarle. So I pull up to the stop sign. I got my blinker on. I'm going to go left towards Albemarle, and this other person pulls up to the stop sign across from me, and we got there at the exact same time. Now, when I get to an intersection at the exact same time as somebody else, I'm always thinking to myself, what did they teach me in driver's ed? Who goes first, right? Did we get here exactly at the same time? Did I barely beat them? I mean, I'm processing all this stuff, right? But I'm behind the wheel like, cool. But in my head, I'm like, what's happening, right? And so I had my blinker on, and I looked across, and this man did not have his blinker on, which means he's going to go straight. Are you with me? And look, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you get to an intersection at the exact same time, and that person's going straight, and you're turning left, who has the right of way? Okay, there's five of you that I will be on the road with. The rest of you, ain't never gonna, gonna, I'm not coming near you because you didn't know, right? You did not know. You're the people that don't even know when to stop for the school bus, right? I mean, I get it, right? It's an eight-lane highway. I'm in the far lane. Do I stop? No, you'll cause an accident, right? So he has the right of way. And I knew this because I had Googled it as we're at the intersection. I'm a fast Googler while the car's still. But guess what he did, y'all? He waved me on. He, like, did the whole, like, thing. And I was like, and he was like, and I was like, and he was like, and I, so I, I turned. I turned. And I, and it's, no, listen, I need, to, I need you to jump into my brain for a second. It's going to be a little scary trip, okay? I know. Hold on, hold on. Jump in my brain. And here's what I'm thinking. As I turn left and I'm driving to Albemarle, this is what's going on in my head. What's wrong with that man? Jerk. I can't believe that. I know how traffic laws work. I Googled it. He had the right of way. He should have just gone. I bet he thinks he's better than me. I bet it's because he's got a nice car. Idiot driver. I, I mean, I'm just thinking all these things. And you know what he's probably thinking? I let the nice man go. I, I mean, he was like, I just waved him on. I saw him. He looked, it looked like he was like trying to Google something. So I said, just go. <laughs> and, and listen, now check this out. Here's what the Lord showed me in that whole thing. Sometimes, now that's, I'm projecting on this man, right? I know he was, he's a good man, and, and if, actually, he may be here today. If you're here today, thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for allowing me to turn left when you had the right of way. <laughs> I thought I saw somebody leave earlier. I think it might have been him. Anyway, um, sometimes that's what we do with serving. Sometimes we do that to people that we serve. Now, again, I don't think this man was, at, was thinking this way, but what the Lord showed me was, you know what, Paul, sometimes in church, that's how you serve people. You serve people like, well, you know, I kind of pity you, and I'm a little better than you, so just, I know I got the right away, but I defer, just go ahead and go. We don't do it from the heart of like, I really care about you. And sometimes serving can lead us to bad places. 
Sometimes serving can make us feel like we're, we're the good church people and we're helping those poor, sad losers that we found in unexpected places. It's okay. You go. Just go ahead. I'll wait because I'm a good person. Now, again, that man driving that car, he's just thinking, I'm helping to do that, right? I get it. But, man, the Lord just, he got a hold of me. It's like, man, if that's what serving is, that's not the kind of serving Jesus did. And, and listen, here's, so here's what we do. We, we, we go where Jesus went. We give what Jesus gave. So we go to unexpected places and we give unexpected mercy. And, and here's how we keep our heart from not getting prideful. We bring what Jesus brought. And what did Jesus bring? Everywhere he went, here's what Jesus brought. Unexpected service. Like nobody expected Jesus to serve them. As a matter of fact, his disciples, they were so aware of the power that Jesus had that on one occasion they had a little bit of a fight about who was going to sit closest to Jesus in the kingdom, right? And so Jesus hears all this, and he responds this way in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He says, it's good for you to be talking about these things, because that's exactly how the kingdom operates. I am the man, and you shall be men near me. But only the most important people will have the closest seats to me. Is that what it says on the screen? I don't think so. It says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. In response to this power play, Jesus said, "Come out, guys. You're missing it. I'm not just asking you to, to go where I go and to give what I give, I'm asking you to bring what I'm bringing. And what I'm bringing is a servant king and a kingdom that is served, not dictated. And when we do that, it keeps our heart from turning to that man at the intersection going, just go ahead. I got a nicer car than you. Your car looks like it might fall apart at any time. Get it away towards the mechanic shop. Now, go. The last thing we want to do in church is to serve people like that. I've got this down here. It's a little kind of a weird mental picture, but I put down the kingdom is a meal prepared for people, not ingredients thrown at people. So picture this, right? I invite you to my house, and you come over. You're like, what are we going to have? I don't know. Steak. Sweet, I love steak. So you walk into my house and you're like, man, what, I don't smell anything. Like, when are we eating? Well, man, cow's outside. Whenever you want to fix it. <laughs> you need some gas in the grill, too, if you want to grab the tank and take it down and get it filled up. Buy some matches. Money to be scraped from the last year and a half. I've used it, not cleaned it. But, yeah, whenever you get out done, we'll eat. I mean, we do that. You know, we do that to people. You know that, right? In church, we call it service. We say stuff like this. You know what? I think you would, you, you should follow Jesus. Here's what I'm going to do to help you out. i got a quiet time. I've got a Jesus Culture podcast. Yeah. i got a bow. I'm just going to throw these things at you. Church attendance. Figure it out. That's not the kingdom. The kingdom is served. It's a meal prepared for people. 
Jesus says, I've come to give my life as a ransom so that we can have a relationship, so that in relationship we can figure out how to do a quiet time. We can figure out why Jesus' culture is the best worship on the planet, right? We'll figure that stuff out in relationship. I'm fixing a meal for you. It's served. It's not just ingredients thrown at people. The part that really blows my mind is this. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, and he's describing, like, what the kingdom looks like when we serve. And he says something about us that blows my mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 says this. For God said, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, that's us, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, this is the one that blew me away. For now we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. If you have the NIV, it'll say that we hold this treasure in jars of clay. What? The kingdom that we're praying to come is in us, and we are fragile. Here's, here's your big idea. The kingdom is delivered through vessels of clay. Like, we don't have time to go into this, this word study, but like the, the word for um, clay, it's like earthenware. Like, how many of y'all, when you got married, you um, registered for your wedding and you got like china? Remember that? Still in the attic, right? Y'all don't use that very often. But remember those, those like plain place settings that you were given? that you use every single day until you're smart enough to buy paper plates. That, that's what that word means. Jars of clay, it means earthenware. It means fragile, made out of dust. It's like, but you know what it is? There's a place that we use all the time. The kingdom is served in vessels of clay. He says, why? Why? This makes it clear, verse 7, that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles. We're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Can I just um, tell you this? I'm going to call you to serve in just a minute, and I'm going to at the end of saying this, you're not going to want to do it because of what I'm getting ready to tell you right now, but it's in the Bible. We just read it. When we serve, parts of us get stripped away. Let's bring this full circle, right? Uh, some of y'all are servant leaders, and so especially if you're servant leaders in family life, you know sometimes you get to come in here at 730 for early morning worship, Right? And if you've ever stepped into our services and thought, man, it feels good in here. That's why, because people show up. like There'll be like 40 people in this room at 7.30 on Sunday, y'all, just worshiping, just to set the atmosphere. Now, unless you're insane, when your alarm clock goes off at, say, like 6 on a Sunday, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, gosh, 7. Worship's not of God. I can worship Him right here. The snooze sounds like worship. Yes, Lord. 
I'll just lay here with you. Right? Like, you don't want to go, oh, serving, like, cuts at us. The crazy thing is, why would he put light in jars of clay? Is it possible that he knew that as we got chipped, more of his glory would shine through? That maybe serving is how we become less and he becomes more. Is it possible that the the king who's sending a kingdom figured out the best way to deliver it was through really cheap pottery? Because even if it broke, his light would shine through. I need to say this again. I say it all the time. Um, The early church grew because they served the people who hated them when it was unpleasant and uncomfortable. When they served the people that hated them, that's when the kingdom grew. Um, I've got to, we've got to wrap this up so we can get into this this song that they're playing. But any tech people in the room, raise your hand, be proud. Tech people, really, I need to see who you are so you can fix my Wi-Fi. Tech people, anybody in the room, I'm screwed. Okay, so um, I was thinking about this last night. When we are connected to the king, right? He puts his light in us. And the more that we fade away, the stronger the connection is between us and the king because he shines brighter through us. You with me? So you know what that means? You know what we've become? I love this. We kind of become kingdom hotspots. Right? I know y'all are going to shorten that. You'll be like, I'm a king who's hot. It's not what I said, right? I said we become kingdom hotspots. Have you ever traveled and been in an airport and had a long layover and no free Wi-Fi? What's up with that, right? Like I've actually paid for Wi-Fi because I was so desperate to have the Wi-Fi for something I had to do because I was stuck in an airport for hours, right? When you're in an airport for hours and no free Wi-Fi, do you know who becomes very popular? Anybody who's like has an internet address that says like Scott's phone feel free to join me right I mean like that's and you're like sure I mean like hot spots or you you walk past like this restaurant and the food smells nasty but it says free Wi-Fi coming in right like we when we serve do you know what we're doing we're going where Jesus went we're, we're, we're giving what he gave and we're bringing what he brought. And all that makes us is kingdom hotspots. And everywhere we go, we're connected to the, to the king and to the kingdom. And he just flows through us to whoever needs it. Oh, and they're like, I don't even like Jesus. But can I just piggyback on your connection for a little bit? Yes. Come on. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. You don't. You can open the door and welcome people to my church. You might not even love Jesus yet, but if you'll smile, you can do it. You can hang out with me because eventually, trust me, you're going to want your own connection. We become kingdom hotspots. I love that. When we carry the kingdom to unexpected places and give unexpected mercy, the result will always be less of us and more of God's power. So here's what happens when we serve. Serving empties us of ourselves. It opens us up to others, and it positions us to be used by the Father. And so here's how we're going to close. I'm going to look at you, 
And I'm going to unashamedly, that's a big word. Here's what it means. Everybody look at me. It means I ain't going to blink when I say this, right? I'm going to use really clear words. I'm going to unashamedly call you to serve. I just started coming here. All the better. You ain't got no junk, right? People that have been coming here, they might need counseling first, right? You're good. If you're already serving, I'm going to call on you, understand me, to re-up. You know why? Because there's a lot of jacked up people, and we're part of it. And serving is actually what completes us. Serving is what completes our connection to the Father. And here's why I need you to serve. Well, I know why you need to serve, Paul. You just built a new building. It's got more space and more people. No, 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 no. I need you to serve so that you will be complete. If you'll serve more, less counseling. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Because more of his power is within us. You'll never be more like Jesus than when you serve. He's a serving king. And so check this out. He came to the earth, right? And he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And this is the American church. I don't know how this happened, but we have somehow convinced ourselves that when that same servant king through the Holy Spirit became a person who dwells in me, now somehow I had this Jesus on the inside of me that has now suddenly changed his mind and said, oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, I want to be served. Which is why you have church people sit on there and not do anything. Because they think that somehow Jesus who came to serve now that he has saved them is okay with his hands and feet doing nothing. But he's not. He wants to send you to hurting people. And he will send us hurting people. And so the only way to apply this is to serve. And I'm going to make it so easy for you. So I'm going to show you something in a minute, and I'm going to read a scripture, and I'm going to pray. Okay, now here's how this is going to work. First, I need you to reach out and get your phone. Just if you have a smartphone, just pull your phone out. I need you to put it on silent or not. I mean, either way. Because what's going to happen is, in just a minute, I'm going to put up on these screens a keyword. The keyword is going to be serve, and there's going to be a number. And all you have to do, I wish it was easy to live out messages like this. All you have to do to live out this message is text that keyword to the number on the screen. And it's going to put you in a position for us to help you find a place where you can serve. Now, you're sitting here going, oh, I get it. So if I don't have a mobile phone or a smartphone, I can't be a part of this. And you're right. No kidding. Just kidding. You can. So at the bottom of this, of this screen that you'll see in a minute, there's a website, servingcompletesus.com. And you can also reach in the seat in front of you and pull out a connection card and just check the box that says, I want to serve. And again, do we need you to serve here? Yes. 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 You need to serve more for you because it completes that connection to the Father alright so let's do this um, let's throw that, that slide up there serve to that number I promise you when you text it you're going to get some replies back so if you don't have it on silent <laughs> that'll be fun It'll be all over like an emergency is happening and here's what I'm going to do I want to read this to you okay and I'm going to pray for you. 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. This is from the Message Bible, and I love this. Jesus says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to ask you to hide under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Can I just tell you this? All of that starts serving. What will I do? Put me in, coach. I'll go. I'll start serving. And when I do, I'll be completed as I'm helping others take steps. Let me pray for you. Father, in your name, Jesus, we pray right now that you would do something in us. Challenge us, God, to take the next step that our Savior took. God, simply to serve. And in a way that's unexpected. I mean, this could look like so many things. I know what serving looks like in our church, but man, today at a restaurant, we could literally look at a server and simply say, how can I pray for you today? Unexpected service. And then tip them well. Unexpected service. A phone call, an email, a face-to-face cookies baked and taken to a neighbor unexpected service we believe this God that that's how your kingdom comes and so I'm asking you to equip this body our church to be servers who go like Jesus to unexpected places and give mercy and service that blows people's minds in your name Jesus Amen